Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murrieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Welcome to episode 110 of the Feeling Good podcast. And quickly, David, uh, a couple announcements of your upcoming workshops. Yes, uh, on October 28th, 2018, I'll be teaching with Jill Levitt uh, a one-day workshop. It's on Sunday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., and the topic is Team CBT Methods for the Treatment of Relationship Difficulties, Step-by-Step Training for Therapists. And that will be where? In Palo Alto, or you can join online. Do you know where in Palo Alto? No. Okay. It's it's on El Camino. Okay. Um, yeah, a motel there. It's, it's, okay. it's kind of kind of cool. People who come in person, I think, bring food too. So it's like a gorgeous buffet lunch. All right. Um, there, but you, it's uh, to register. Go to www.feelinggoodinstitute.com. dot com. It's okay. one word: Feeling Good Institute. Institute or call six five zero three five three six five four four. That's six five zero. Three five three six five four four. The second one I want to mention is rapid recovery from trauma. I'm going to be doing this November one and two, two thousand eighteen, in Woodland Hills, California, mm-hmm. and that's a two day workshop with a live demonstration. The evening of day one, the live demonstrations are usually pretty uh, dramatic and pretty ins- inspirational, as well as Wonderful teaching to see how this new rapid recovery works. So you, people bring your PTSD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people who, who've had trauma or are depressed, anxious. I'll, I'll work with a volunteer yeah. from, from the group who's been who's been struggling. And um, to to register for this one, you can call eight hundred two five eight eighty four eleven. That's eight hundred two five eight eighty four eleven. Or you can go to www.iahb.org, I, th- I think it is. Yeah, it's .org, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then in November 29th and 30th, 2018, in San Francisco, I'm going to give a, a workshop for PESI, P-E-S-I. Yeah. Uh, that's a new uh, group for me to work with, and it'll be called Treat Anxiety Fast. That's another two-day workshop. And there will be a live demonstration uh, the evening uh, of day one with someone from the audience who's yeah. struggling with uh-huh. you know public speaking anxiety or, or whatever. And then I'm going to repeat that December 3 and 4 in Portland, Oregon. And the one in Portland will be live streaming as, as well. Also, the one I mentioned in Woodland Hills, California, on, on rapid recovery from trauma, you can join that from anywhere in the world. That'll be live streaming. Yeah. Also, in fact, all three of these workshops, you can join live streaming from anywhere in the world. And to register for this uh, rapid high-speed treatment of anxiety disorders, uh, you can go to PESI's website, P-E-S-I. You can Google that and you can find them or call 800-844-8800. 
800-844-8260. That's 800-844-8260. How many people register by phone nowadays? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done that in ages. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the topic today, this is an, one of uh, your Ask David, and so we have a number of questions here from listeners. Right, and I want to thank all the listeners, both for topics for the show and for your Ask David questions, as well as for your uh, loyalty to, to our show. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is a two-way street, and, and it makes a big difference. So thank you so much for all of you. And we're still um, uh, enjoying you know, well over 50,000 downloads a month. Yeah. And I'm going to try to figure out how to increase, boost our audience. I, I don't know quite quite how to do well, that. Well, we, we haven't mentioned this for a while, but, um, you know, please um, leave uh, uh, reviews on iTunes. Um, tell your friends. Um, point them to the podcast. Um, and, and you, um, if... You know, if you are subscribed to the to the blog for the show notes, when you get notification, you can forward this to to people you know. So yeah, and you can sign up on my website again for free www.feelinggood.com, and there's a feeling good podcast tab also in the upper right hand corner of every page. You can there's a widget where you can sign up, and then you'll get an email yeah. every time we we do a podcast, right. and you'll be able to read the show notes yeah. and, and and all of that. Great. So now on to our first question from Richard. And uh, uh, he's asking about uh, interpersonal communication with uh, sociopaths, narcissists, and alcoholics. Um, he writes, I'm wondering if sometime you'd like to mention that there are those whom you may truly um, want to avoid. Uh, I listen to all the podcasts and just remember and feeling good together uh, have, you're having a blurb about uh, sociopaths and morbid alcoholics, I believe. Feeling like the disarming and listening skills may sound like it is all up to the suffering individual, uh, i.e. ourselves, to make it right between any and all individuals. However, I think you agree that there are those who must be avoided, but I may have this wrong. So um, what would you say to Richard? Well, that's a great question, Richard, and, and, and thank you. And you're absolutely right. There, there's no rule that says we have to try to get along with everyone in the world. And, and there are people who, who you might decide you, you don't want to, or it's not a good idea to try to get close to this person. That's, what if this is your spouse? Um, well, um, you, you you always have a choice. We call interpersonal decision making. Anytime you have a conflict with with anyone, it could be your spouse or a neighbor or a stranger, <clears throat> and you really have have three choices. One is to to work to improve the relationship. A second choice is to leave the relationship, and a third choice is to stay in the relationship and maintain maintain the status quo yeah. and maybe try to feel less less upset about it. Yeah. And I don't have, you know, a strong rule for telling people who you should or shouldn't try to get along with. You mean you don't think that most people should try to improve their relationship? That's up, that's up to the person I'm work, working with. I, I, I gave up thinking I knew what other people should do with right. their lives a, a long time ago. But how, how do they make that decision, you know, of, you know, working to improve it or not? Usually the person knows what what they what they want but if 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 they don't know you 
I, I have in my psychotherapy ebook, the, and also in my book, I think, Feeling Good Together, something called interpersonal decision making. It's a four compartment analysis. <clears throat> like, you, 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 you create your options. Like, um, one fellow was in a marriage and, and he was really clear that he didn't want to work on getting close to his wife. Mm-hmm. He just, he did not love her. But also, he didn't want to leave her because then he thought all of his friends would look down on him and, okay. and, 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 re- and reject him. And so we did this kind of inter- four-compartment analysis, interpersonal decision-making. What are the advantages and disadvantages of staying in your marriage and trying to improve it? What are the advantages and disadvantages of leaving? And it turned out that the disadvantages of both options were overwhelming. So it was what you call a can't-win situation. He yeah. thought he was doomed if he stayed in his marriage, doomed if he if he left. And then the thing that was uh, helpful for him was to see that some of the disadvantages were actually based on distortions, cognitive distortions. Mm-hmm. Like I had him do an experiment to, to see, is it true that all of your friends would, would reject you if, if you left your wife, if you got divorced? And so he was scared, but agreed to ask five, five or six of his friends what they thought. And he was shocked to find out they, they all thought it would be a good idea and they would love him every bit as much, you know, if he was single or if he, or if he, you know, continued to yeah. be married. And then once he saw that, that then he, he was able to make the decision to, yeah. to, to leave his, his, his wife. But that's a personal decision. There was a woman, I can't think of her name. Uh, but I went to her presentation at the Evolution of Psychotherapy conference, uh, she, and she was a little on the strident side, and she had the idea that she's going to save every marriage. Mm-hmm. And she's like an evangelist or a missionary, and, and you know, it's very important. We must save marriages. People must not yeah. get divorced, and she yeah. imposes that on her patients. And I would only say that my own approach is, is is radically different, philosophically di- different. That's not my decision to make for for, for other people, and 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 sometimes that uh, you might be interacting with someone who who is just very dangerous and very narcissistic and 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 very self centered, possibly violent, and it's not going to be productive to try to get really close to that to to that person. But, that, but it still remains a personal decision. You know, if you want yeah. to, to improve your relationship with a sociopath, well, have at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and if you decide to leave, though, I think one of the points is it's even more important to use the five secrets of effective communication. Ah. Because that way you can get out maybe without getting killed by that per, per person. Yeah. Uh, that to, you, you can use the, these techniques not to get close to someone, but to manipulate them. And some people say you should never manipulate other people, but that's one of those rules that I think can be, can be broken. I yeah, think exactly, sometimes yeah. it's intelligent yeah. to manipulate yeah. other people to, to save your life. And stroking and disarming te- technique are, are some of the most powerful ways yeah. to, to avoid conflict when you're trying to break up with somebody. Yeah. Well, I, I would say this probably answers the, the question. Good. Um, we have another one here uh, from Dave, and um, from Dave, yeah, okay. He, he says, uh, "I have a question you might like to address in a future podcast." So now, almost all of the cognitive techniques are directed towards clients who suffer from negative emotions, such as anxiety, lack of self-esteem, depression, etc. 
The cause is almost always cognitive distortions that undermine the client by framing their actions and feelings in a negative light. I'm a loser, I'll never make friends, and so on. But what about positive cognitive distortions? That is, when a client's thoughts cause them to overestimate their abilities, attractiveness, likelihood of success. For example, I'm better than everyone else. Anyone who criticizes me is an idiot. Uh, motivating yourself to perceive yourself as better, more capable, more confident than you first thought is much more appealing than motivating yourself to perceive yourself realistically as less capable than you imagined. I hope this question makes sense. So, Yeah, well, that's just... Uh, thank you, Dave, for that. That's another really cool question. It's uh, And you're right. Uh, there are positive distortions, and the topic has fascinated me uh, f for years. It, the, in fact, we, we had a podcast on this, Positive Distortions, early in our series, and it's come, fun to come back to it now because in my new book, Feeling Great, I'll be talking about techniques to smash each of the ten cognitive distortions, mm -hmm. like overgeneralization, all or nothing yeah. thinking, should statements, uh, self-blame. But also in those ten, 10 chapters, I'm emphasizing the positive versions of each of the 10 negative distortions. Yeah. So there's positive all or nothing thinking, positive overgeneralization. So instead of thinking, I'm a loser, you're thinking I'm a winner, uh, for, yeah. for example. Uh, and instead of uh, self-blame, you have other blame. That's a positive distortion, thinking it's all uh, some, somebody else's fault. Yeah. The positive distortions are harder to work with because they make you feel happy. Yeah. Uh, when, when you tell yourself, I'm better than someone else, and it's his fault, and I'm, I'm moral, morally superior. You get a boost from it, a yeah. A boost, a, a high. Uh, but it, it's incredibly in interesting uh, philosophically and practically as well. The positive distortions, let's list what they're involved in. Addictions, uh, uh, violence, uh, narcissism, and maybe we can just bring each of, each of these to life. There, there may be other other problems. Well, yeah, yeah mania. Uh, ma mania. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, manic ma the manic side of manic depressive illness. Let, let's start with narcissism first. What are the positive dis distortions in narcissism that race? Well, it would be um, I'm better than anyone else. Yeah. Whatever... Um, is bad that happens is not because of me, but because of somebody else. Yeah, it's all their fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, if if I detect possibly a flaw in what I'm doing, I minimize it. I I give some uh, non-personal reason for it. Yeah. Um, and I overemphasize the the good stuff. Yeah. And so on. Yeah, absolutely. And then narcissism is... And I tend a, to look down on other people. Too. I look down and punish other people. I have a right to hurt you if you yeah. criticize me yeah. to get revenge get, get revenge yeah. on you. And, and then also there's something called... See, the negative distortion is called discounting the positive. Yeah. That's where you say, oh, my, the good things about me don't count. I'm a loser. Yeah. Paradoxically, the positive distortion is called discounting the negative. Yeah. And that's where if you get criticism, you say, oh, that doesn't count. That's not right. And, and you attack the, the person who criticizes you. Um, 
narcissism is very difficult to treat for, for two reasons. The, the first reason is that the narcissism makes you feel good most of the time. It feels good to feel superior to other people. And the other reason you mentioned before we started the recording is that uh, narcissism t t tends to work. People who, who see themselves as gurus or superior to other people, they go around attacking others and saying how great they are. There's something attractive to people about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, they'll find their sycophants. Yeah, and so they get surrounded by people who keep yesing them and who are afraid to challenge them or criticize them. Yeah. Um, so we see a lot of that in the world. We won't name names. Uh, we don't want to create political problems here for ourselves or, or for others, but it just you see it in American politics and politics worldwide. I mean, Hitler made his career off of telling people, you're the chosen people, you're superior to, to, to others. Yeah, he, he created a nationwide positive distortion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the, the Jews, the gypsies, people with mental problems, they're like rats. Yeah. Uh, that's a, using negative distortions and positive distortions to, to kind of manipulate people uh, po politically, and then, and then, and then that gets into the next topic, which, which is and, and narcissists don't show up in your office. Pardon they, me. They don't show up in your office. They don't come and say, "Doctor, please cure me." Yeah, I've treated large numbers of narcissists in my practice. I get along wonderfully with them because I'm narcissistic, <laughs> so I know how to deal. <laughs> I tell them how great they are, and they think I'm wonderful. Yeah. But they don't come for treatment of their narcissism. No, they're coming for some something that's, yeah. that's bugging. Y usually, them. it's more, my my wife has a problem. Yeah, yeah, right. Or my husband, for yeah, that matter. Yeah. So anyway, that's narcissism. Now it also causes. Uh, should we do mania, violence, or addictions next? Well, let's look at violence because I'm violence. not sure what what you want to uh, to bring out here. Well, it's the what what you saw classically in, in Nazi Germany, it, you know, we're superior and they're inferior. They're no good, so we need to kill them. We have the right to, to yeah, kill so them. Yeah, so you're talking about, you know, the us versus them, the, the clannish, uh, yeah. uh, you know, tendencies. Right. But, but also you see it in, say, a marital violence, the, the person who's Perpetrating violence on the other is involved in a lot of, a lot of cognitive distortions. Yeah. Like, this is your fault. You shouldn't be challenging me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very special. I, I have the right to punish you. Yeah. Uh, stuff, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. If you look at the, the thinking of someone who's, who, who's violent, you're, you'll see tons of positive, positive distortions. Yeah. Uh, in fact, blame. Blaming another person, that's the main cause of marital problems. You think it's the other person's fault. And that is a positive distortion because you're seeing yourself as much more special and innocent than you are and hiding from your eyes your own role in the problem. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the shadow. Yeah, yeah. And then it plays a big role in, in addictions. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you're, you're tempted to, to get drunk or to, to overeat or to do what, whatever your, your addiction is to yeah. buy some stuff on, on sale. And, and we, we, we've got the, the all of, of all or nothing thing. And it's going to taste so good. And, and, and then you, you discount data. You say, I'll just take one little bite. That, yeah. That can't hurt. 
Yeah. Well, is that a true or false statement? See, that's a positive distortion because yeah. you're discounting the fact that you told yourself, I'll just take one little bite about 5,000 times and you never ended up with one, one yeah. little bite. Another distortion is, well, I can stop anytime I want. Yeah. 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 And, and absolutely. And then magnification. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. You know, to get stoned or to, yeah. to eat that glazed donut. And that, yeah. mm, I love glazed oh, and, donuts. And the minimization. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. The, the thing with addictions is they do have, you know, pretty much really big consequences most of the time. So th- those are the, this is the hurt that brings people to treatment. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then mania is all caused by positive distortions. Well, I won't say it's caused by, but, but it, mania, contains, it contains, contains, positive, yeah. and a lot of the mania is mediated by, by positive dis- distortions, and people just suddenly think they're the greatest yeah. and start doing wild things without regard to the consequences, spending money, uh, maybe uh, you know driving down the highway at 100 miles an hour, thinking it's, it's a wonderful thing. To do, I had a patient. I think I might have mentioned uh, on a previous podcast, but she had her first manic episode in downtown Philadelphia. She was going past a press conference. The mayor was on the city hall on the front steps giving a press conference. There were cameras there, and she suddenly had the idea that she had a plan for world peace. <laughs> that everyone would be fascinated by. So she burst into the press conference, grabbed the microphone from the mayor, and started shouting that she had a new approach for world peace. And she was surprised when the police came and arrested oh, her. Exactly. No. And then instead of putting her in, in jail, they realized she was manic and took them to the university hospital for yeah. involuntary admi- admission. Mania is really strange. There's this complete lack of of uh, self-evaluation. I had like this... Uh, this client um, I just couldn't work with who would bring to me his thesis about, I forget what it was, the, the, uh, how to save the world by using the ancient text that showed that it, there was some wisdom that nobody could really understand except him and he needed yeah. to publish this and I had to use to, to help him publish it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. How, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's 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 an it's it's really incredible. And if you've never seen mania, it is a true psychotic condition. The person is out out of control and and generally needing fairly powerful medications to yeah. to to bring them down. You can't uh, you can't reason with them general generally because yeah. it's just so intoxicating. And then I think a last thing I would say is is there's probably some benefit to positive distortions, uh, like. Like, like when I was a, uh, doing my research fellowship, I was kind of into positive and negative distortions in my own life. And, uh, I was doing this research on brain serotonin metabolism and, and, and I would kind of read other people's research and think that, that, that's, it's just shabby. They don't know what they're doing. Their, their, their research is crappy. And then I would think about what I was doing and say, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be the greatest thing. Ever. And so I was working like 60, 80 hours a week. It was like a roller coaster going up and down. If I thought this is going to succeed or this is going to fail, my emotions were all, all over the yeah. place. But it, it created tremendous drive. Mm-hmm. And I eventually, you know, this won this incredible research award for that research yeah. that really put my career on the map. And so 
positive distortions, you know, it's kind of a slippery slope because they can motivate you to to accomplish a, a, a tremendous amount. Yeah, no, exactly. So that, that that's a lot more tricky. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, we'll do a specific uh, episode just on that. Okay. All right. Next is from uh, Julia. Julia, J-U-L-I-A. And uh, she says, um, When I do my daily mood log, I often come up with a long list of distorted thoughts. I've been feeling more or less depressed for most of my life. Then I use the reframing exercise from your team approach, finding the distortion and picking one belief and start refuting it. All of this takes much time sometimes more than two hours, and I simply run out of energy before I have even finished questioning one of the distorted thoughts. The next day I feel depressed again, but I am plagued by different thoughts than the ones from the day before. So I don't want to continue working on yesterday's daily mood log, so I start a new daily mood log, and the whole process starts again. This leaves me frustrated and with the impression that this process could be so much more efficient if only I knew what I was doing wrong. I would greatly appreciate any advice you have on this. I have maybe three things to say. You may have some ideas, too, on, on this excellent excellent question, Fabrice. The first thing I want to say is I commend you, Julia, for the hard work that, that you're putting in. You're probably putting in more work than you should or than you need to, but I've never had a patient who worked hard the way you are who didn't eventually achieve his or her goals and, and, and recover. Yeah. Um, so although you're kind of exhausted and burning yourself out, the, the direction you're going in is extraordinarily uh, a- admirable and, and will pay off. And in addition, it sounds like you're a super bright person because you're incorporating techniques from the podcast, the positive reframing techniques, working with distortions, talking back to, to negative thoughts. So point, point number two is that sometimes when you're kind of stuck on your own, uh, a consultation, a little bit of therapy with an expert can sometimes save you tremendous, tremendous amounts of time. And there are a lot of people available at the Feeling Good Institute. They're, they're doing a lot of uh, telephone uh, or tele- media uh, therapy now. Uh, if you're in California, in the Bay Area, we have the brilliant uh, Fabrice right here, sometimes op- open for business. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I do do sometimes uh, some, uh, you know, video therapy. Yeah, or in person if they're... Uh, yeah, if they're local, yeah. And they, they can go to your, your website. What's your website? Um, at the moment, it's down, so it's I won't down. even mention it. But how would they... <laughs> go to psychologytoday, psychologytoday.com. And then they'll find you at psychologytoday.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, um, another thing is, is that when I'm working with, with somebody, I don't jump to new negative thoughts each, each session. I stick with one negative thought until it's completely smashed. Right. And so. the person no long, no longer b- believes that. And, yeah. and, and at that very moment, when you stop believing it, you'll get a mood lift and then it becomes easy to smash all of these negative thoughts mm-hmm. that you've been piling up. That, that are not completed maybe over four or five weeks. We, we, I've often, once I've smashed the first negative thought with a patient, then we can use externalization of voices and often blow away 30 or 40 negative thoughts in 10 minutes. 
because the brain switches. Once yeah. you really smash a negative thought, you get a mood lift, and you, suddenly it's it's easy to 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 see to see through them. So you're you're close. It's great that you're working hard. Uh, I've often told my patients, you know, the most that you should do is, you know, 30, 30 to 60 minutes a day on these things. And then the last thing I would say to you, maybe if you, we can't do therapy through this, this medium, but if you were to send me one of your negative thoughts, uh, in an email, uh, then, then perhaps Fabrice and I could could model five or five or ten ways to to crush that thought. Yeah, oh, and and if you're doing something wrong, we might recognize too that that the way the, the negative thought is set up needs to be modified a little little bit to uh, so, so you can really smash it. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good idea to really uh, help people refine the approach. You know. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. And also, my new book should be helpful. It's it's not available quite yet, but that's what I'm trying to do is put all the fine points in the new book. How, how how this how you can really make this work for you? Do you have a target publication date for that? No, I'm trying not to be, because I'm still getting creative ideas. Even in the last day, <clears throat> I've had two or three really what to me seem creative, exciting ideas, things I want to include, and I don't want to con- con- get get it to a publisher. Although one of the publishers sent somebody to hike with me yesterday. Actually, yeah. a really awesome guy mm-hmm. that lives up in uh, north of San Fran- San Francisco. And uh, he's the kind of guy I might like to work with because he'd really work with the book to turn it into something, something hopefully amazing that would really be helpful for mm-hmm. for people. But I, I I want to just put my energy into having fun creating the most the best tool I can for everybody, and then then we'll we'll put a deadline and tell you when and how to how to yeah, get it. Okay, great. Um, here's a question from uh, Kumhar. Um, he says, although I am not officially diagnosed by a psychotherapist, I have been dealing with OCD for maybe 15 years. Um, he says that he's 26 years old. Uh, it changes clothes like a person. Um, I'm not sure what he means, but uh, uh, he says, I mean, some rituals disappear over time. While new ones pop out, so the OCD changes clothes. Yeah, uh, as you may guess very well, over time I managed to drop some of those rituals, such as stepping in every room along the hall, uh, turning on and off the lights, washing my hands almost thirty times a day. However, for six to seven years I have been dealing with quote reading OCD. I pick up a book from the shelf and I start reading chapter one. Here it goes. I obsessively reread every word, sentence, and sometimes the entire paragraph to ensure that I correctly understand and remember what it says. It takes away my pleasure in reading a good book. When I was a child, I had no such problem at all. There are plenty of articles on the internet and they recommend applying the ERP method. It's exposure and response prevention. Yeah, exposure and response prevention. I have the anxiety that I would be lying if I say I have read, I have read the book if I had refused to obey what my OCD demands. Anyway, I know you understand what I'm talking about. Is it possible for you to do a podcast on, quote, reading OCD? Great. Thank you for that wonderful question. Um, on, on reading OCD, uh, and, and we have a number of things to, 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 to say. First, I, I have a little, uh, 
identification with you because I, too, am a very slow reader. I, I, I don't feel compelled to, to read every little thing, but when I read, I, I like to think about things deeply and uh, often read things critically, and so I, I don't do a lot of reading. I know, same here, yeah. Because I'm, I'm a slow reader. Uh, now, uh, one thing that, that would be important in working with you, and we can't treat you through this meeting, but I can just use your example to show how some of the techniques might work. The, the first is there's the motivational model for all anxiety d disorders. And, and that means that there's a part of you that wants to read slowly, that, that wants to have this problem because you think it's going to be very important to, to, to read everything and to get it all, all correctly. And so you, you could do a cost-benefit analysis. What are the advantages and disadvantages of, of giving in to this impulse to, to read everything in detail? And, and it, it's going to help you in many ways. And there's a downside. And then you can balance them against each other. What, what are the, the advantages and disadvantages? Is 50-50, 60-40, 40-60? And I would only work with you if the disadvantages of this problem outweighed the advantages. You'd have to convince me that you really want help with this. You really want, want treat, treatment with, with this. Um, now let, let's say you decided that, that you did want treatment, that the disadvantages outweighed the advantages. Then a second thing that we'd have to, to use and is, is exposure and response prevention. And what that means, and you probably know what that means, you, you'd have to agree to, to stop reading so slowly, to, to, to read, skim through the thing at, at, at high speed, even if, even if you don't understand everything to the degree you, you think you should or, or, or that you would like to. Yeah, he mentions ERP, but it's not clear whether he's he's tried it or not. Yeah, well, not with this. He's, I think he's tried it with other things yeah. successfully, but he's not using it on, on, on this problem. That's why I say we got to do the motivational thing first. See, what would it be worth to you to, to be cured of, of, of this problem? And are you willing to pay the price? Because what will happen is you'll get much more anxious uh, and immediately, once you stop the fast reading, it, you'll freak out and, oh my gosh, what, somebody will challenge me on that I didn't understand it correctly and that will be embarrassing. And, and you have to just endure that. It's like a, a drug withdrawal. Checking over and over again reduces your emotion. That's why you get addicted to it. You get anxious. You're reading. You think, oh my gosh, what if I don't understand it? I better read it again. And then you, it relaxes you a little bit. And that's how you get hooked on, on that frequent ch checking. And so you'd have to, if you're my patient, agree to, to stop doing that even if it, it makes you ter terribly anxious. A third uh, thing to think about uh, that most therapists will, will not help you in this vital direction Almost every OCD patient I've ever had has this hidden emotion model going on. Uh, the, these are almost all exceptionally nice people who are upset about things. You're angry with people. You want things. You don't want things. And there's something going on in your life, generally, I can't give you an absolute guarantee, but I would say it's 80% of the time that you're not dealing with because you're so nice and you think you're not supposed to have certain kinds of feelings. So I'd also be working with you to see what is the hidden emotion or problem or problems in your life that you're not you're not de dealing with. You're all locked up in your head obsessing about this nonsensical thing. And as a way, subconsciously, of avoiding some kind of emotion that 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 
threatens you. And this is a kind of a psychoanalytic, psychodynamic concept, but I found it's, it's, it's absolutely true in anxiety mm-hmm. disorders and especially, especially in OCD. And I've had many OCD patients, and once the hidden emotion was brought to conscious awareness, the patient dealt with it, the OCD completely disappeared. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts, given a lot of examples of that, actually, in OCD. And, and you know, what, uh, what Kumar is, is uh, talking about here is the fact that a lot of the, the uh, symptoms, a lot of the rituals in his OCD have uh, come and gone. Yeah. So um, it's like a whack-a-mole in there. Um, yeah. And that's it's the not... hidden emotion thing hasn't been dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's kind of the causal, the causal piece. That's why it's such an exciting emotion. It not only causes the OCD to disappear in the here and now, but, but it also has great prophylactic effect because then in the future, every time the OCD returns, you know you're upset about something you're not dealing with. And, and you can pinpoint what, what you're avoiding and deal with it, and then the, the thing will disappear again. Yeah. And we, we talked about that model in episode 27. Okay. Uh, number 27 is, is the hidden emotions. That, that's another thing. And also, you can read my book on panic attacks and learn about the hidden emotion mm-hmm. technique and dozens of other great techniques for, for OCD and every other form of anxiety. And then the last one I thought we, we could model here is, is the feared fantasy. That's where you go into an Alice in, in Wonderland nightmare world and get exposure, confront the thing that you're the most afraid of. And, and what you're saying is you're afraid that uh, if you don't read everything and you tell people you read the book and you don't have complete understanding, they would judge you and be critical of yeah. you. So let's, let's pretend that actually happens. Right. It wouldn't happen in reality, but we can make it happen in, right. this, in, this, in this nightmare world. So, so do you want to become her or do you want to be this, this friend who's very critical of, of come her? Um. I'll, I'm good at being critical, so why don't I do that? Okay, I'll, I'll be, be, be become her. Uh, hey, Fabrice, I just uh, read this book on, on blah, 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 and I, I kind of skimmed through it, may not understand it completely, but I, I was kind of excited about it. Well, actually, d- did you read the paragraph on uh, page 16 where the author exposes the, the main thesis? No, I think I missed that one. Tell me, tell me what well, the main thesis was. Well, obviously, you didn't read the book very well. No, I just skimmed through it really quickly. Yeah, well, that, that's you know, really terrible. You, you know, is it terrible? It you is never, terrible, yeah. You, you never met a person who skimmed through a book? Well, but, you know, they're all terrible. You know, I, I, I read all my books. Oh, you're a much better reader than I am. And listen, I, once you get to know me, you'll find out I have a lot of flaws. Well, yeah, than, well, uh, I've, I've, be, I've begun the, to notice that, yeah. What are some other flaws that you've noticed that are turning you off? Well, um, it doesn't matter. I'm most focused here about you know, how you read books in a very cursory manner. Maybe you want, wouldn't want a friend who skims through, bo- <laughs> skims through I'm, books. I'm beginning to wonder about that, really. Yeah, and hate to lose you as a friend, but hey, Hey, if, the, if, if, if that's the, the deal breaker for you, that's the deal breaker. Give me your card, though, and because when I meet people, I can ask them if they read real slowly, and then if they are, I, I can give them your card because that they might want to be your friend. Yeah, well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> so what's the point? Well, the point is that you know, this, you're using the acceptance paradox at yeah. every step here. Yeah, and who looks like the goofy one? Well, I do. Yeah, yeah, and that, and then uh, it's just a way of seeing you want, and then we could 
should we do a quick role reversal? Just, sure. That's what I would do with a patient, and now yeah. uh, I'll be the friend and you become her. And, yeah. Uh, could I talk to you for a minute, come her? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I learned through the grapevine that you read this book and you just skimmed through it and you didn't like really focus in on all of the details and the footnotes. That, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. Well, well, I I read books very very thoroughly, far more thoroughly than oh, you. Oh, I'm so happy for you. That that's great. You know, you know, we need people like you. Uh, yes, but but I don't hang out with people who skim through things. Well, obviously, uh, you're hanging out with me right now. Well, I, I, I'm just here to tell you that I reject you. Okay, all right. Well, it's good to know. You know, I, you know, I don't want to waste your time. <laughs> so who won? Well, I did. Big or small? Uh, huge. Yeah, huge. And so anyway, that's called the uh, the feared, feared fantasy technique. Yeah. And there are many other te- techniques as, as well. And one of the things I love about TEAM, not only is it a beautiful structure for therapy with the testing, empathy, agenda setting, and methods, but in the methods, we've got 100, you know, 200 techniques really drawn from many, many schools of therapy. And so we just have a, a tremendous uh, richness there for helping you come her with your OCD and uh, as well as uh, depression and, and, and all of the anxiety disorders. Yeah. All right. So uh, uh, this last one here is uh, it's not an email. This is a review that uh, I found on iTunes. And uh, I have to say, I, I really dug into our iTunes review to see if there's anything that uh, needed responding to because the vast majority of them are very positive uh, which is what this uh, particular uh, listener mentions Um, but um, I wanted to to respond to it so this is uh, um, we don't know uh, this person's name um, uh, but this is a land of Lincoln listener, so uh, listener from Illinois, I suppose. And what, what, oh, oh, from in the city, from uh, Link, land of Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, oh, I thought uh, yeah, land Illinois. of Lincoln was Illinois. Oh, okay, okay. Well, okay. yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, okay. We don't have a name here, and so here's what he or she is writing. Uh, I was surprised to see all the five stars this podcast received. Uh, I like David D. Burns, the MD, and have read Feeling Good many times over the past 30-some years. Oh, wow. Thank you for that. So, yes. Yeah, so, this is somebody who's really into your, your material. I've gone through a half-dozen copies of the book because I wind up giving it away. It's a great book. His other books are good, too. He must have a very good editor. I'm sure you do. <laughs> well, the editor on that was my wife, actually. Okay. Right. And yeah. she was great. And then Maria Guarnaschelli uh, helped a lot, too. Yeah. She was at the publisher and kind yeah. of showed me. Yeah. When I brought the book to her, when they bought it, and then she said, come to New York and I'll show you how, how to revise it. She said, the first thing I want you to know is your book is long and boring. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. you got to rewrite it in yeah. a way in English that, that yeah. people will be able to yeah. under, understand. So, continuing, uh, in the podcast, he repeats the very same stories over and over of people not listening to each other or responding angrily, etc., and how that inhibits good communication. Also, when he talks about solving problems, I feel that he suggests that the troubled person becomes someone else, to paraphrase. He calls it to lose the ego and be reborn. This is extremely challenging because it asks a person to doubt everything, 
to ignore their, their knowledge or wisdom and to passively go along with everyone's ideas. For someone who may have endured abuse, disrespect, shame, this, quote, tool that Burns offers would do more harm than good. So I think that uh, this listener is, is referring to uh, the five secrets and, and maybe particularly the disarming, the, the disarming technique. technique. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking at your own role, role in a problem. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for your kind comments and, and support for so many years that that means a whole lot to me and and I think you were saying Fabrice we want people to criticize us and to challenge us so so we can think about things yeah. more 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 deeply um the uh, one one of the things you know, if you if this person wrote and gave an example, you know, using the, the relationship journal, yeah, of course, what yes. someone said to we, me, and here's we, what I said. Next. We like we, to deal in specifics. Yeah, yeah, we could really, really bring this to life. But I would say, on a general level, that all the things that I teach and that, that we teach have kind of a healthy edge that will bring you to enlightenment, to joy, to 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 love, to to great relationships with others. But if they're misused or misunderstood, uh, th then they, they will backfire and, and have a very bad effect, uh, a very negative effect. And, and, I, and I think this, this person respectfully ha has, is involved in a very common misunderstanding of, of the things that, that I have taught and that mm -hmm. we're trying to teach in, in the five secrets. Uh, when you're doing the five secrets, one of the, the tools is, is uh, I feel statements where, where you're becoming a more genuine person to, to share your feelings with, with the other person. Uh, so the idea that you should become someone else or, sh or should become phony or that you should let other people walk all over you and take some kind of a submissive role in life as the beaten down person is is not at all what what what, what we're talking about or, or what we're intending. But um, uh, the sometimes when when you when you teach something, you're using words, and then people attribute their own meaning to those words. Yeah, and they think that you're referring to to something quite different yeah. from what you're trying to teach or or what you're trying to to say, and so. I would view this comment as, as the beginning of a dialogue, uh, really, and, and to say, let, let, let's look at, at some examples and, 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 and work together. That, that's about the best, the, the best I can do. Can, can you add to that at all, Fabrice? Well, we had this question about, um, uh, you know, working with sociopaths. Yeah. And uh, really, you cannot overemphasize the interpersonal decision making, which is, yeah. do I really want to be closer to this person? Yeah, is that you know, do I want to be close to somebody who beats me up? Yeah, do I want to be close to somebody who abuses me? Someone who's totally absorbed in themselves. Do I want to be close to somebody who doesn't care about me? Yeah, ex exactly, and that's that's not something we've we've ever advocated. No. Um, so yeah. So um, anyway, thank you for for that. I think it must require a little braveness to criticize somebody who you've admired. Yeah, and and uh, 
you know, especially to to leave a, a review on iTunes, it, it's not as easy as just you know shooting an email. So this person really, I think, was probably directed as much to other listeners as it was to us because yeah. they want to to make sure that people are informed. And I'll bet this person has has had a loved one or himself or herself who yeah. has been hurt by by others and yeah. and perhaps was being overly self-effacing or yeah. not responding in a yeah. way that was effective or, or, or helpful. Yeah. I'd love to hear more of the story. Yeah, no, I, I, if uh, this listener did not give up on the podcast, I hope uh, they send us an email and, and tell us more about the specifics. Yeah, maybe we'll hear this podcast. Well, you know, I hope so. I hope so. I have found that some of when I was in therapy and also in, in the podcast, sometimes my worst enemies are my, my greatest allies in, in disguise. Totally. And uh, so, take another shot at it. Give, give us another. Give us another chance. All right. Thank you, David. Thank you, Fabrice. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns's website at feelinggood.com where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast.